You're listening to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch, episode 414. My name is Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we return to Netflix and season two of Ragnarok. And uh, I was pleasantly, uh, I don't want to say surprised, but it, it was certainly uh, a good first episode. And, you know, I'm digging getting back into the Norwegian gods and goddesses. Yeah, especially since I think we talked extensively about how last season was just a lot of setup, and it really wasn't until that very last episode that we kind of, you know, that that we you know started to see Magna as a uh, you know coming into his own as a hero. Um, so you know, that's I think we anticipated that this season would be a little bit more kind of what we're looking for, right? A little bit more of the actual superhero god. Norse god stuff yeah absolutely and uh, we certainly get uh, you know a lot of movement in this episode and um, you know we'll talk about that in a second so if you guys want to shoot us some feedback sci-fi tv rewatch at gmail.com is how you can reach us but I I guess even before we get into that and and, uh, I can feel we're both kind of you know excited to get back into ragnarok um i i did want to touch base with you know what i'm watching uh this time and i did check out the first episode of shadow and bone and i don't know if i've mentioned that or not and while i liked it uh, i don't know I, i'm not sure i'm gonna keep going with it i, I mean i like the character so far but I'm just not sure I'm into the storyline enough to to continue. I know you liked it a lot, right? Yeah, and but the the first episode I felt was problematic as well. Um, for me, it was you know throwing you into this world and all this you know like trying to you know build that world quickly, which is a completely different world than ours, and to figure out who's who and what's what and how this group relates to that group and everything. That to me was was tough. I, I definitely had to rewatch that first episode. I think I might have even rewatched after I went and watched a couple episodes first and went back and did the first episode again. And you get an idea. So, I, in other words, I think I, it's definitely a series. I felt that you know you kind of had to stick with it a little bit. Once you kind of are immersed in that world, then it, I think it, they did a pretty good job of bringing you in. And I, you know, again, I mean, I can devote 45 minutes to episode two at, at some point, but not, not too long. Cause I don't want to forget what I saw in the first episode, but you know, like I said, I like the characters, I, you know, it just seemed like a lot of tropes are being laid out there right from the start. And yeah, there is again, that. I definitely see that. Yeah. So, uh, but the other thing I stumbled on the other night when I was, caught up on all my required viewing and no Oriole game. Not that I needed to be depressed (laughs) even further, but uh, yeah, I went to Netflix and a show just dropped that day called Catla. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you, you've seen that pop up. I watched the first episode last night. Okay. Well, I I saw the first two episodes and you know, I, I I liked it. It's Icelandic. It's a sci-fi mystery takes place uh, in this you know small town in iceland and this nearby volcano is continuing to erupt i think they said it's been erupting for like a year which may or may not be the cause of all these mysterious events that are taking place but 
Um, now, you said you watched the first episode last night, knowing your viewing habits. I'm guessing you didn't dig it that much because usually you just like knock them out one after yeah. another. No, um, I I actually it, it was just I, it was starting to get late after I watched it. So, um, so yeah, I liked it. I, I I liked it a lot, but it was just you know it was it was time to go to bed. Okay, at that point, and that's so. what happened with me and episode three. I, I started watching it, and about fifteen minutes in, I, I realized, you know, I was falling asleep, and it had nothing to do with the story. It was the time of evening. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to get back to that. It, it, visually, it, it's it's certainly something that's. I don't want to say it's difficult to handle. It's just it's just a a very dark gray mm-hmm. world. Yes, as you might expect. Sure in in iceland and, and this small town but uh you know so yeah, far don't, so don't, good don't throw shade on iceland but you know well, well no just the you know the geographic yeah details of the, well and, of and the, they're going for they're not going for you know summer iceland they're going for you know winter the kind of the dog days uh with this especially with the volcano erupting where everything is uh, hazy and clouded over and you know and you're right all the the characters you know clothes are all muted and 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 kind of drab um but it, you know it does really help create an effect there that that they're obviously going for that all right uh anything you want to add to the what we're watching mix well yeah um just really quickly i did i finished uh sweet tooth and I kind of, I think I put my finger on what I, I didn't like. So there's a lot of good stuff about it, and I think it probably has the potential to to be pretty good, from, to be really good. You just got this kid who's the the lead character, and the actor is fine. He he does a great job, um, but it's just this character just makes these stupid because he's a kid. Right, uh, makes these kid decisions over and over. That's very frustrating, and uh, I don't know if if maybe I just got too frustrated with the number of stupid decisions that that the kids make. But of course, that's the point, right? I get that that's they're purposely doing that, right? That they're they are uh, you know because they're m- most of all these um, like uh, enhanced. Uh, I guess I can't remember what they call them. Uh, I think they call them hybrids. The hybrids. Um, you know they're all young kids, and you know, and they are trying to survive in a very difficult situation and world, and uh, they make you know not great decisions all the time. So I think that I, I think I kind of put my finger on that was like what kind of like was what was holding me back from really being a fan of the show. But yeah, I'll probably watch season two when it comes out. But a series I can give a solid two thumbs up to is Lupin. On Netflix, have you heard about okay. that one? Uh, well, I, I haven't really heard much, but I certainly see it in my feed. Yeah, it's awesome. It's just uh, this guy who was actually in one of the uh, X Men movies, and um, he is like kind of like a master thief, and but he's trying to get back at the people who uh, set up his dad about twenty years ago or something like that. So. Um, so it's really cool. Like, you know, I, I, it's similar in some ways to like leverage where you feel like 
you know, the bad guys always look like they are gaining ground, but they are kind of never, you know, a step ahead of, of our, of our hero, who's a step ahead of everyone kind of all the time. And even when he seemingly fails, like it's all, you know, meant to, uh, like, like one episode, the very first scene is he's going to jail and we're like, wait, what? <laughs> and, and of course the rest of the episode builds into, and of course he's intending to be there. Like everything he does, he, he kind of intends to do with everything. So yeah, it was a great show. Two episodes, two seasons. I think it was, you know, five episodes a season, I believe. So very easy to watch quickly. And, uh, you know, the characters are awesome. The main character is amazing. Uh, I can't, Omar Sai, I think was his name. Uh, he's brilliant. Absolutely amazing. But yeah, uh, highly, highly recommend Lupin. Cool. Well, let's get to Ragnarok, episode one, season two, titled Brothers in Arms, written by Adam Price, who is the creator of the series, and he obviously wrote the pilot as well, and Emily Lebeck Kay, directed by Mogens Hagedorn, who directed the first three episodes of season one. This one dropped May 27th, 2021 on Netflix. And like season one, it's only six episodes. And and one of the things that I really like that they do is they accelerate the action because they only have six episodes. And these are not 62-minute episodes either. Right. So they got to take care of business. And, you know, like you've said several times, ep- season one ended like a series that knew it was coming back. So we'll have to see if that's the the same thing with season two. Again, though, if Netflix history tells us anything, a show that's been reasonably successful on Netflix is likely going to get a third season and then be done, which is fine. 18 episodes to tell your story. How long do you need to drag it out? Right. We will see. Um you know, one of the first things that that strikes me in this episode is, of course, Magnus' transformation, not the least of which is his new hairstyle. Dude, right. I'm liking it. Yeah, well, I mean, they, they kind of got away from him looking like the, I wouldn't say necessarily nerdy, but certainly the outcast who is you know not the you know not the best looking kid and everything like that and and now he's got the new hairstyle glasses are gone uh tighter shirts are in so uh you know he's starting to look a little yeah it starts to look a little studly there is is uh magna yeah just just much more badass than in the yeah. past now the title of course leads us and magna to believe that his brother Lawrence is going to join him in the coming battle with the giants. But of course the reveal, one of the reveals in the episode is that he's only Magnus half brother and Vidar's son, which is going to put an interesting twist on the strength of loyalties. And that, that's something that Fred mentions in his feedback. Yeah. Well, with that, Dave, I got to ask you a question because I couldn't remember. I know we had speculated that, uh, that Loritz was Vidar's son. Was that something that had either been confirmed earlier or heavily hinted at? I know. Well, I don't think it was confirmed at all. Maybe hinted at a little bit. I mean, we know that Turid had a relationship with him when they were teenagers, but we didn't really, at least I didn't suspect that there was anything, you know, like a, 
a, a love child that was produced out of that relationship, which would, of course, be turret. So that for me, it, it was the looking at that family photograph that, that was really the first driving hint that something might be amiss here. Oh, okay. Because I know, and again, not that I'm going to go back and listen, but I would have to go back and listen because I feel like that was definitely something that I had definitely had strongly suspected before that that Lawrence was was Vidar's uh, son. But anyway, um, but yeah, but certainly that little reveal is yeah throwing this this you know I guess power balance we might want to say. Um, kind of throwing it out of the whack. Okay. Now, the other thing we've talked about in terms of confirmations, I mean, does this mean that Loritz is half giant? Because we assume Torrid is 100% human, but uh, obviously we shouldn't assume. Well, you know, there's a couple of things. My first thought is when Torrid tells Vidar, he says that's impossible. Right? right, not like that can't be, but that's impossible, which makes me think that giants can't get humans pregnant. So, which then casts greater shade on Turid's, you know, like what was she doing that night at that party? Um, but uh, and she also says, you know, she doesn't say that you impregnated me. She says, "All right, well, remember that party?" And he's like. Oh yeah, I remember that. And then she's like, "Oh yeah, I got pregnant that night." I I, I think they're they're just leaving enough of a um, you know kind of ambiguity in there that this is you know I was I was just I mean I, any any guy who hears right that seventeen years ago you 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 know you knocked someone up. And that you you, know, you have a seventeen year old son you didn't know about. I mean, obviously your first reaction would be one of disbelief. But I think the Vidar, when he says that's impossible to me, that that's kind of telling, especially for as long as as he's been around. Um, so I don't know. I I I, I even though I, I certainly suspected this before, um, his reaction is is causing me to you know maybe doubt the uh, the veracity of that. Okay, so, so. then you're questioning her honesty in this situation because i, I look no, at not uh, you know i, I mean i look I, at turid and, and granted she's an adult who's raised two kids lost a husband and her life has changed dramatically but you don't get the impression that even as a teenager she was sleeping around so that you know right. when how do you know it's mine i know because you're the only one i had sex with so, but, but I mean, wouldn't was she not married at that time? So you know, like, well, good point. So I, I, I mean, well, that's a good point. Or did she get pregnant and then get married? And yeah, you know, again, did her husband know that Lawrence wasn't his? We don't know any of that at this right. point. But right. but more importantly, the speculation we've had about Lawrence's true identity and whether or not he is in fact loki and i know the loki stories are different depending on whether you're in the marvel universe whether you're in <laughs> actual norse mythology but wasn't loki um half giant and half something else so um, in the mcu for sure okay 
I don't know. It's I, it was, there's actually one point in my life when I was kind of into Norse mythology. Uh, when I was in like tenth grade, I you know broke my foot and I couldn't go to gym class. So the gym teacher just sent me to the library every day. So I just go to the library and, and read. And, and there's like all, all the nerds out there right now. Well, not nerds. All the there's probably loads of people right now who are thinking, "Oh my god." You got out of a whole quarter of gym, and you got to go to the library and read instead. Like, <laughs> how how did you strike that deal? But uh, but yeah, so one of the books that I picked up was a uh, a book of of Norse mythology, um, but I can't remember you know much of it. Um, so I, I, the only thing I, I remember is that Loki tricks his brother Baldur into like drinking poison or something that, and then Thor tells him to you know to to like hints that he should just let the 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 wine drip down his beard rather than drink it but he misunderstands it drinks it and dies and everything so um anyway that that's my big takeaway from norse mythology but in the mcu for sure loki and I, I assume that they grabbed that from actual norse mythology in some way or another yeah because loki is a frost giant and you know now that he is the son of uh the main giant at least in this story Wanky tries to prepare Magna as best she can, and she's a, a fascinating character. And and you know we we've talked about her identity, and we'll get to that as we continue to discuss the episode. But Magna discovers his first ally in Iman, who discovers her powers and ability, which is to be able to manipulate and convince people to do whatever she commands. And I love her character, and, and I love the fact that. She's going to be working with Magna. It'll be interesting to see whether they go down that route. And um, you know what route I'm referring to. Mm -hmm. But uh, I, I love when she shows Magna the first time at that party, you know, go get me a Red Bull and bring it on your knees. <laughs> it's just, I guess what it signifies to me is that when push comes to shove, and at this point, she doesn't really know what she's in for she doesn't really know anything about the battle to come but the fact is she's going to have to do things that she never thought she would have to do and maybe she never thought she'd be capable of doing if they're going to defeat the giants so I, I love the fact that she's not above you know doing what she does yeah. here so. no she she's up for this for sure yeah and, and you know, one thing she does know is that her future is a Really disgusting mixed drink in Red Bull and vodka. Yeah, well. That's gross. Oh, my God. Then, <laughs> um, meanwhile, Fior has left his giant family to be with the girl he loves, the human Gree. And, and you know, again, another uh, of the mixed relationship. And, and again, like, like you were pointing out about Vidar, that that's impossible. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with these two. I, I don't know if the series is going to go long enough for them to get together, her get pregnant. It, it, yeah, I, I doubt it, but yeah. Right. Well, and you know, Fred has cast aspersions on the, uh, the, the length of this relationship. I kind of have to agree with him there, uh, or at least the question that, that, you know, um, yeah, I mean, we just have have we not forgotten how bad of a bad guy if Fjord was just a little bit ago, you know? So, yeah, I don't know if if this one is is destined to to last very long, but you know, who knows? We'll see. 
Right. And I mean, not only does Magna have to deal with her rejection, but the fact that she's taken up with his arch enemy. And, right. But that then leaves us with the final piece of this puzzle uh, as we try to assemble it. Which side will Fjord fight with in the end? Will he return to his family? I mean, it's really the same question that we asked a couple minutes ago about Lawrence. With whom will he align himself at the end of the day? Yeah, yeah, and and you know Lawrence is uh, has always been probably my favorite character here, and uh, the one who certainly has the the, the most layers to him, uh, and we see it like a really kind of I like what they did with him in this one is because we always saw him as kind of like being very cocky and confident and maybe borderline arrogant. Um, and here we see him as someone who just is looking for, for someone. He, he wants a relationship. He wants someone to love or to love him. And, you know, beyond just, I mean, he's got obviously his mother and he has Manya and they, they, you know, it's obviously care for him a lot, but, you know, he's, he's looking for more. He, he wants to, you know, he, he wants to be, you know, he just wants to be loved. And, uh, and Vidar kind of just swoops in with that, uh, kind of what he was looking for, kind of, you know, like, you know, he didn't really express the desire for like a father figure in his life, but certainly he, he, he demonstrated his, he feels disconnected from his dad. He doesn't look like his dad. He's not big like his dad was. So he doesn't feel that connection to him that the Omanya must feel because he is so similar to their, their father. So this like gives him a chance to be someone different, even if it is, the people he just excoriated in his little speech uh, at the end of the previous season. Right. And whether or not they're willing to forgive him for that, you know, are they setting him up? I mean, we get that scene where uh, Magna comes home and he sees Lawrence leaving the house with Vidar getting into his car and they're smiling and then they hug and, and you, you obviously see Magna's reaction is that not only can he control lightning, he apparently can control the electrical grid as well mm-hmm. and, and knocks out the whole system. So, yeah, I mean, fascinating things to, to watch, but, but let's get to the opening scene because the season picks up pretty much where we leave off in season one as Vidar and Magna are lying unconscious on the ground after their epic battle. But even before we get to that, we see Wenke and, you know, we, we talk about the fact that, all right, Magna is Thor. We know that whether or not Lawrence is Loki, you know, we know they're the giants is Wenke Freya goddess of war. Yeah. Okay. Or, I mean, no, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. Is she? I, I don't know. Yes, that that is that's a great question. Or is Imam right? Because yeah. we do get that th- right. I mean, I don't know, but we don't, that's the thing. We don't like at, at this point. We're just unsure, right? But Freya well, is like, isn't she like the kind of like the mother of the gods, right? Right, and and you know we kind of established that Wotan is likely Odin. And, you know, they give us the clue with the patch over his eye and, and yeah. all of that. But we get the idea, you know, the, that the gods that have been in power are older and they need to turn things over to the younger generation. So, you know, in, in that opening scene, Wanky kisses her stone pendant and then we see that eagle fly with clearly a purpose 
and then it cuts to the EMTs trying to revive Magna and Vidar, and and you know Magna he gets the you know the electrical shock, and the EMT guy flies like you know I don't know ten feet twenty I think his five fire, meters because the, the dude meters. says uh, you fucking flew five meters. And I'm like right. oh, that's very alliterative in English. I wonder if it's like that way in Norwegian as well. Right, but. It, it, not before Vidar lays down the gauntlet and says that we'll kill you before the next new moon. So we 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 know the the coming battle is on the horizon. Whether I'm guessing what's going to happen is we get to episode six of season two, and the troops are getting ready to face off. I, I'm assuming season two is going to be all a lead up to that battle. No, you don't and, think we get the battle? I think we get uh, the battle this season. Okay, all right. But uh, the, obviously the main story is Magna preparing for battle with the Giants because he, he understands now who he is and what he needs to do. And, you know, that, that eagle that I mentioned, you know, one of the first things we see with Magna is he runs to the mountaintop, screams at the eagle, which flies towards him. And, you know, I guess it's the eagle that whips up that little mini dust storm. But but then that great scene visually where he finds himself in this ethereal setting, Wenke appears out of the water to tell him he's the chosen one, which, okay, I guess he needed to hear. I mean, I think he had already put two and two together. But then what you think about the callback to Isolde? Because right. we know that's not her. We know that she's just shape-shifting, but still it was interesting because Freya or whoever Wenke is understands how important Isolde was to Magna. And, and, and again, you know, you mentioned uh, Lupin and, and the whole revenge factor that seems to be part of the storyline there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe she just feels like Magna needs this extra boost to push him in this fight against the giants, because clearly he had a connection with Isolde, which was cut dramatically short. Right. It's absolutely is there to remind him of his purpose. Cause that's basically what the point he's at. Like, what am I doing here? What am I supposed to be doing? Why'd you pick me? Blah, blah, blah. Which, you know, almost every hero, when they get to that, right before they cross the threshold is, Joseph Campbell would have us say, um, you know, they have that moment of, of, you know, of doubt, like why, why am I being chosen? Right. Um, and what do I need to do? And why do I need to do it? And so she tells him, well, it's you because you're the chosen one deal. You know, why are you doing this? Well, let me just show you your friend, your, who, what he said in kind of a touching line, he says, you were my only friend, right? So, you know, let's let's remind you of Isolde and what happened to her and who's responsible for her death. And so, you know, there you go. That that's you know, that's why you have to do this. This is your impetus. This is your motivation. So don't forget it. Yeah, right. And and you know, you mentioned Campbell and the hero's journey, and it's certainly evolving into that kind of a story, you know, he's, he's going to assemble his little entourage that, that is going to assist him in this coming battle, which is typically. Right. And instead of sitting here whinging about why am I here? Why'd you choose me? She's like, you gotta get to work, bro. You need a weapon. You need allies. So stop, you know, complaining and stop 
you know, wondering about who, you know, why it's you that has to do it and get, you need to get to it, which honestly, if we think about it, is probably similar to, you know, Amalia True and the Nevers, right? Like, I think we speculate that instead of her saying, complaining about not having orders, you know, it's like, well, it's because you're the one who's supposed to be giving the orders. You're supposed to be the one who's leading this, so you need to get to work. Right. Well, in this case, we'd say listen to your mentor. You know, Malia True's problem is that she apparently has to be her own mentor, which, you know, is certainly a nice twist. And I don't think the Nevers is following Campbell's hero's journey step by step, no. but it, but certainly elements of it. You know, Magnus faced with the situation where he's got to tell people and he has to know instinctively this sounds crazy which of course Lawrence, are you high i don't know if he knows that well, i think he may suspect it but he he goes around looking awfully crazy yeah. um great scene when he hulks out in front of the mirror also so i i don't know whether that was to indicate that he has been working out. I mean, that doesn't make any sense because we know season two picked up right where season one left off and he was nowhere near that big. So kudos to the actor for uh, hitting the gym hard, apparently. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, and this is, you know, and we have compared this a lot to Spider-Man, right? And, you know, like, Every Spider-Man movie, you know, as I've said a number of times, we, you know, we, 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 Peter Parker is great, but we want, we want to get to him as Spidey, right? And we know, we understand that he is a, a kid who's an outsider who had a transformation. And this scene is, is almost directly out of that first Spider-Man movie where Tobey Maguire is standing in front of the mirror looking at himself and realize, you know, his body has changed overnight and um so it's like the same thing here right like he's uh magna is realizing that he has under undergone a transformation uh, as happened quickly as with both heroes that that physical transformation also is kind of coinciding with you know transformation in their worldview as well coming on the heels of that vision he has in which Isolde appears, then he gets the chance to run into Eric. And of course he's trying to get out of Eric uh, details about how Thor defeated the giants who fought with him. And, and and of course Eric's like, dude, they let you back in school. Yeah. You just come back and, and ease into things, not really hearing what he's saying, which of course is understandable, but how great is it that Magna uses online research to make a drawing of Thor's hammer because he knows he has to get his weapon. I, I love that. Yeah. When honestly he could just say, have you seen any of the Avengers movies? Yeah. Uh, that big hammer that Thor has, I need that. Right. So. Um, and, and then we get that scene when, uh, Turrid's at the grocery store doesn't, I don't know if it's she doesn't have enough money on her card or whatever, but Wanky says it's fine. As long as you deliver a message to Magna, God will meet him on the bridge with the first line of the Volusia prophecy. Okay, whatever. <laughs> she packs up her groceries. And, you know, I, I think I, I know I mentioned earlier that maybe Turid is a giant as well and just doesn't know it, but no, I, I don't think that's the case. And, and yeah, I guess we'll get some explanation 
you know, again, not to belabor the point that you brought up earlier about, you know, the reaction that he has that, no, it's not possible genetically. So, you know, mm-hmm. we, we will see. But well, that's what, you know, like when she was, when, when Venche was, uh, you know, telling her that message. And of course, like I'm looking at her and it's like, ah, she's not, you know, it's like, you know, there's times when, when someone gives you extended uh, directions, I'm just like looking at it. And then, like, the minute they're done, I'm like, ah, you know, I don't think I heard a single, I don't think I retained anything of what they said. So, right. Um, but she, uh, I guess she, I, held on to enough information to, to get uh, uh, Manya onto the bridge at the right time. Right. And, and then when we see him, the, the one guy that looks like he's going to the gym and Magna figures, oh, he's a big, strong guy. He must be. It's like, dude, I'm not buying whatever you're selling. Just, <laughs> he keeps walking. And then we see Iman wheeling Wotan onto the bridge and the two make contact. And again, I think the fact that she is wheeling Wotan, who we speculate may in fact be Odin, I, I think that's pretty significant. And again, I love the the fact that she doesn't know what her powers are. But you know, I did have Wanky, and she was like touching my hair, and just and she just perceives it as being odd in the same way that uh, Magna had had to deal with his powers. I guess being activated, we'd have to say. So. Right. You know, we'll, we'll see. Well, yeah, it's funny because, you know, like he is, you know, and us along with him, he's like looking around each person, like, oh, could this be the person? Could that be the person? And then, you know, when we, we see Iman, we're like, oh, that's it for sure. You know, like, no question about it. Um, but uh, yeah, there was the really cool scene. And she's like, what were you going to say? You know, like she, he he at first he's like yeah you know nah, I can't be her and then she's like dude tell tell me what you were gonna say come on you know and, and then she has the the answer to it as well so. right and and then when they're at the party that Lawrence has thrown at their house Iman tells Magda hey I figured out what my power is so we don't know how she figured it out so this is just her her showing him as as we talked about earlier but then we get the scene at the garage when she uses her mojo to convince the uh the mechanic to make thor's hammer and he says yo yeah i can i'll have it ready 10 a.m tomorrow so you know she's she's falling into it but again i don't know that she really has a clear idea of what's waiting for her on you know the other side but i think she has like this sense of purpose yes absolutely like Manya, you know, like she, you know, even though I'm not sure what what's going on, I know this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah, and I don't know, just getting back to the party just for a second, because we've already talked a little bit about Gree and Fjord's relationship. I don't know if we're ready to start drawing the Romeo and Juliet comparisons and illusions yet, but, you know, clearly the two families are not going to be happy with that for any of a number of reasons but you know again we'll see how that plays out the other storyline is is of course vidar and the giants getting ready to face thor and they're clearly more prepared for this battle because that's what they do they know they're going up against thor but they also know they're going up against a thor that doesn't really know what he's doing I mean, does he have, 
you know, this this memory inside of him will that will kick in. We don't know. I mean, it seems like it though, right? It does. Because they 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 know that that time is like the the major element, right? They know that. I think Vidar says he's nearly invincible. Yeah. Um, so they know they they've got a window here where they have been able to identify him, but he still is not able to use his powers. And he still doesn't have his hammer yet. Right. Um, and, and then, you know, in that scene, as Vidar returns home with the news of, of Magna's new power, assumes that Fjord has killed Gree. And again, I'm not sure why that's so important. I mean, she's just a human. And I'm making air quotes. But Fjord returns home. No, nope, didn't kill her. I'm leaving. I want to be with Greg, just grabbing some clothes and my axe. <laughs> I thought, <laughs> again, visually, it, it was just so great. I mean, it, it it's so subtle that and, and just so expected on the one hand, but says that he's done fighting and then you know he turns up at Grease. it's you and me now and and of course we know that's not going to turn out to be true it's one of those lines of dialogue that they may naively think that but no we know that's not the case they're going to get caught in the middle and yeah we'll see i mean you know you know it's funny because we talk about shows that are brave enough to kill beloved characters and characters that are important to the storyline, but that their death may end up having even more impact on the story. So, you know, I'm not saying I want to see Gree die, but it won't surprise me if she gets caught in the crossfire. Yeah, absolutely not. It would not be a surprise even even a little, because we can see, as you said, caught in the crossfire. That's a great way to say it. She's not with one family or the other. She's not with one side or the other. She's totally in the middle here, and something happening to her could really, you know, uh, you know, galvanize each side. Now, you know, the other thing that I find kind of humorous because Vidar and his giant family are painfully aware that they're about to go up against Thor. He's still concerned that Udall Industries stock has dropped 40%. <laughs> you see him watching the, the business news. They're under investigation by the environmental agency because of those barrels that Magna exposed last season. But then we get the family at home and they're gathering their weapons. And yeah, I mean, Saxa is one of my favorite characters, and not just because she's extremely attractive. It's her role in that family. And the reveal yeah. that we had last season was that the roles apparently change over the the decades and you know, over the centuries, so that at some point the you know, her character was the adult, or you know, but but right now she's the the teenage daughter. And I like the fact that she's angry because she doesn't feel as if she's respected by her parents. And again, I'm making air quotes because we have no idea what Mm -hmm. the actual genetic. Right. But we cut to the Udall plant as Vidar explains the processes to Saxa, who is apparently going to take over because Fjor has left the family. And we, we certainly get that feeling that Vidar is not comfortable turning the reins over to a woman because 
No, this is a man's world. This is a man's job. And, and Sax is not having any of it. She looks every bit the successful businesswoman in her suit and she goes in and right away she's like no just explain to me how it how it's going to go and then when they meet with the police officer and the representative from the environmental agency you know vidar is about to like pour gasoline on the fire she steps right in diffuses the situation and you know right away she's in her element she is going to be great Mm -hmm. at this if we ever get to see you know this stage of of her development i mean once the battle starts who knows well, i think we are and you know i was actually kind of because i'm like wait i i just felt like she had greater agency in the family before but thinking back on it, i'm like yeah i guess she never we never really saw her in any kind of you know really outside of we just saw her mostly in the world of you know uh the the high school right um and when we see her in this world yeah we see she has very little agency in this family and they're like well you have to earn your spot and everything like that and you know but like you said like she is probably better at at least in dealing with humans because i mean like what is vidar's big thing is he you know sees regular people as beneath him right so his contempt he can't even a little bit hide his contempt, as you said, and it's up to Saxon to step in and kind of mollify the situation and say, okay, well, we'll, yeah, we'll get you whatever you need. We'll help you out, you know, which is, you know, it's not like she's going to actually help them out. She's still going to, they're still going to pull whatever shenanigans they're going to pull before, but she's going to, uh, you know, have the, the other side, the police and the environmental agency, she's going to have them kind of eating out of her hands while she's, you know, doing whatever you know sketchy de- you know deals that they they need to do to get out of this right and you know in in terms of the relationship within the family vidar has essentially been bullying fior the whole time uh, so we see that you know aspect of how the family dynamic works out and while ran doesn't really bully saxa in in the same way she she does control her and and is somewhat condescending at times so like what you what you're getting at is the, you know she is the next generation giant and you know she understands that they're facing a whole other set of problems dealing with the humans that you know doing it your way vidar maybe worked in the past it's not going to work anymore so yeah, that, that'll be fascinating to watch. Um, and, and we've already talked a little bit about Lawrence and his search for identity, which, which of course, takes an unexpected turn. And, uh, you know, we, I mentioned that family photo that shows the four of them. Dad apparently died at 32, and I can't remember if we learned how he died. I'm assuming it was an accident of some sort. But yeah, I can't remember. I don't think we really got a lot of details on, on how he passed. Right. But that family f- photo shows dad holding Magna and Lartz is just kind of off to the side, barely holding his mother's hand. And he, he, of course, seems bothered by that photo as they are visiting their their father's grave. And, and you know, as you mentioned earlier in the discussion, he, he just feels like he's not really got the connection to the family that his brother Magna has. So 
and and again, if everything turns out to be as we're told that he is in fact Vidar's uh, son and thereby Magnus half brother, okay, well then you know he, he, these feelings that that he's had make sense. You know, I'm not sure what to make of the scene at the fast food place. You know, he goes in. I mean, does he expect to pay for his burger meal with empty cans and plastic <laughs> bottles? Well, so this this brings me back to my days as a student up in, in uh, Buffalo, New York, where actually if you were a little short on cash, you would just collect all the uh, beer cans and bottles that were in your back hallway and take them down to the tops and you get five cents for, for each one. And, you know, usually if you had collected over a long enough time, that could get you a little bit of beer money for the next week and everything. So, uh, I don't know if they have that same type of recycling program in, uh, in, in Norway, but yeah. But I'm, I'm <laughs> guessing he should, he should have already gone to the exchange place first. Right. Right. I don't think, yes, I don't think going into the actual restaurant right. and exchanging uh, bottles for food is, is, is going to work unless, you know, like, like we see, he's going to kind of charm his way uh, through it. And, you know, I think the important part here is he kind of makes a little connection with the, the dude behind the counter there. Right. And, and I guess that's what I was leading up to in terms of the overall arc what's supposed to come out of that scene i mean you know we know lawrence likes guys so this is no surprise that that he finds this guy attractive and apparently the guy reciprocated to a point because he's a no-show at the party which kind of bums out lawrence and and of course mom tries to assuage his hurt feelings by pointing out that well eric didn't come either so so I'm just not sure whether that's going to mean anything as, as we go along in the story. Uh, I'm guessing not, but. Um, yeah, I would guess not too. It, it seems like it was really just a, um, you know, for, for something to happen that would get Turid to tell him about his parents. Okay. Right. Right. And just to just kind of like crush his spirit even more, so that mom, you know, this is like the last card she's got to play to try to right. boy the spirits of her, her son. So, uh, yeah, that, that's right. No, I don't know if telling him that, you know, the person you thought was your dad is not your dad. Uh, I guess he just, he suspects it anyway. So just letting him know the truth would be, I guess, a relief. Well, yeah. And, and I hate to be so superficial, but mom knows her son's. And she knows that Lawrence is much more fascinated by power and wealth than Magna is. So, sure. you know, maybe, you know, that aspect of it, she she hopes will, you know, help him get out of his funk. But uh, uh, anything else about, you know, any of these storylines? Uh, well, one thing is that Turid, when she's talking to Vidar, she says, he's your son. He has your eyes. And it's like. Um, no, he doesn't. You mean the orange glowy eyes? <laughs> well, yeah, well, yeah, that too. But I mean, like the, the actor playing Vidar has, you know, kind of brown, dark eyes and, and, uh, Lawrence has clear blue eyes, unless I guess, was he wearing contacts? I don't know. It seemed like he has very, their, their eyes were, comp- in fact, this episode, it seemed like I noticed 
Lawrence's eyes more this episode, probably because he just was had the guy liner around it. But uh, did you just say you guy know, liner? Yeah, I love it. <laughs> yeah, but but you know, so I think he made his eyes stand out even more. These very clear blue eyes, as and like that, definitely not the eyes that that Vidar has. But oh, all right. Anything else? So um, hold on. Uh, Manya, um, Lawrence tells him like he, I think he's I, I can't remember what he he said like your Jean Claude Van Damme war outfit or something like that. Um, but and I saw the like oh he is dressed kind of like a soldier. He's got you know combat boots on. He's bloused his trousers. Uh, you know wearing the 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 tight black wool hat. Like oh he he is looking very militaristic actually. And he does say to to Iman, you know, we are at war, you know. So yeah, the, the, you know, there's something there. Also, you know, Lawrence just sprinkles English into his speech all the time. Yeah, like for, I don't get that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm not. Yeah, you know. And again, I I understand that, that that was actually something that was that you see in in uh, was Kat, Kat, Katka Katla. Yeah. Right, but you know, but where, there's a reason there. Well, well, Eng- English is the the lingua franca, right? Right. Like, I I don't know, like what? I, well, I mean, I guess this is something that, that sees like when you see how English has pervaded so many other places in the world that that people just kind of drop it into everyday speech, like uh, like Loris does. I just I don't know. I, I, it's it's neither here nor there. I don't think it's super important to the plot or anything. I just found it kind of interesting how he kind of dropped would just randomly for no reason would say something in English, you know? Right. And I've mentioned many times about how many international shows that my wife and I watch. And, and like you're talking about uh, uh, that show and it's when the, the Swede goes to Iceland and they speak English. Cause as you point out, that's the common language, which, seems to happen all over europe and as americans we are terribly deficient at yes uh, yeah absolutely anything yeah. other than english and many of us are even pretty bad at that as well not great at that yeah <laughs> yeah like he like uh like manya asks if lawrence is wearing makeup he says and what if i do he says it in english it's just like yeah yeah i, I, I don't know I, so i mean maybe there there's a reason for that you know and he says the more the merrier later when he's talking about the party, you know, again, everything. So, you know, I don't know. Just something to, that I, I just thought was kind of interesting. Okay. What I'm wondering is if the mechanic in like, like how long does Iman's spell last? Will it, after a couple hours, is he going to be sitting there saying, wait, why am I making a big hammer? Like, what? Yeah, that's a good point. Right. Yeah. And can she control how long you know, does the task have to be completed for the spell to wear off? Right. Maybe that's so, it. So, yeah, uh, I think that's about it. Okay. Oh, well, one thing I like about subtitles is when a character looks at their cell phone. And if we were watching this in an English language, you know, we'd have to just, I'd probably have to pause it to walk up to the television to see what was on the cell phone. But uh, if it's in Norwegian, they just translate it for you. You can see what the cell phone says. They don't have to pause anything. Yeah, and that's kind of, as an offshoot of that. That's kind of the running joke with uh, 
me and my wife that if we're watching something and you know we're watching in the original language and I'll get up and go into the kitchen real quickly and she'll say you want me to pause it I'm like no I can still hear it and it's like (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right. um, well, you can that is true <laughs> can't understand it but i can hear it so uh all right well let's hear what fred's got for us and we'll be right back hello dave and wayne and all listeners to sci-fi tv rewatch this is fred from the netherlands with some feedback for ragnarok season two episode one. First off shortly coming back to last week's podcast about the nevers if you're going to do an extra episode on the nevers i'm very happy to give feedback Because actually I almost didn't give any feedback on the last episode. So episode 6, the mid-season finale. Because I gave a summary of chapter 1 in that episode as an aid for people who only watched the episode once. And because that took quite some time, I didn't give really feedback on chapter 2, 3 and 4. And by the way, I fully understand that you didn't take my summary of chapter one because your podcast was one and a half hour anyhow. Okay, let's go into Ragnarok. Some interesting developments in this episode. First off, Fjord leaving his family and going to Gree. Really wonder how stable that will be and if he really can hold back his, well, so-called giant urges. I always wondered how the hierarchy was in the Utul family. Now Fidar says, I have nobody. And Saxa is really insulted by that. Her mother says, you have to earn your place. Sometimes I had the impression that Fjord was more powerful than Vidar. So I'm still not completely in the clear on that. Of course, we all saw it coming that Loritz is a child of Vidar. And, well, Vidar just lost a so-called perhaps so-called son in Fjord. So this, of course, gives a very nice story setting that on one hand, Loritz is perhaps happy that he found something to which he belongs or fits. On the other hand, he has a strong bond with Magnus. So that can give a nice conflict within himself. It really reminds me of the situation with Felix in Orphan Black, where he also found himself out of the loop and was trying to find his biological family and eventually found his half-sister. Loritz is perhaps getting a kind of Loki role, something we already wondered in the first season. I think the discussion between Gree and Magnus in his room at the party was very adult. It was quite respectful and understand each other's takes on the situation. Nice to see Isolde back, although it's just a vision. I really wonder who the hawk or eagle is, or that woman that appears to Magne. At least he found an ally in Iman. Iman probably stands for the goddess Freya. Big question is, of course, can she influence with her powers also giants, or just humans? Okay, that was all for now. Greetings, all the best, Fred from the Netherlands. All right, well, you know, one of the things that he mentions is whether or not Fjord can hold back his giant urges. And the first time I I listened to Fred's feedback, I was thinking he meant his sexual urges with Gree. And and maybe that is in part what he's, uh, Fred, that is, is considering but also his giant urges in terms of 
putting down Thor and the other gods. And I guess the reality is probably it's a combination of both. And and as we said, you know, whether Fjord is going to abandon his family and, and, you know, what are his options? Just stay out of the fight completely. There are only two sides. So if he abandons his family, does that mean he's going to join Magna? I find that hard to believe. This, that seems like a bit of a stretch. Yeah. yeah. So uh, we will see. And he also brings up, and I didn't really think about it at the time, but will Laritz now replace him in the family? Mm-hmm. And again, it's still the same kind of dilemma, you know, whether Laritz is going to abandon his family. And, you know, in his case, you know, what would be his motivation to abandon his mother and Magna? Well, you lied to me about my father all these years. You don't really love me. Well, I think he knows his mother loves him, and I think he knows Magna loves him. Is he going to suddenly accept that, yeah, Fjor and Ron and, and Sax are going to welcome him in with open arms just because yeah, dad had yeah. a fling? Well, back? you know, he, he did, you know, they did have a piss up at, at their house before already. So, you know, like they, they kind of already kind of accept him in the family a little bit but but yeah I, you know again that that's also a relationship i don't think is is bound to last too long because we know that vidar is he's doing this cuz he sees the advantage he can get out of it right it's not that he's super psyched that to to meet his son he realizes that this is a way to to gain some leverage over manya we just see that from the look that he gives Manya at, at the end of the episode, just kind of like as he's hugging uh, Loritz, he just kind of gives this F.U. look yep, to, to exactly. him. I, I don't think it's going to take Loritz too long to figure out that he's kind of being used a little bit as a pawn in, in the game here. Um, and that, you know, by Vidar and that, you know, obviously Manya has a heartfelt uh, love for him and, and, and wants him to, you know, be on his side because he's his brother, right? And, and he's not using him uh, like like Vidar is there. Right. And, and I think Saxa is going to be perhaps the most difficult family member to convince that this is not a huge problem because I don't think she's ever really thought much of Laritz. And I think it's mostly because his personality and his lack of caring about anything at, at least that's you know the way he presents himself but the other thing that i love that fred brings up which i most certainly did not consider is the connection with felix in orphan black and how felix right. you know ha- had that bombshell thrown at him about his genetic origins and his his parentage and how much of a struggle it became for him and that you really can see the, the connection with, with Lawrence as well. And, you know, Orphan Black had five seasons of 13 episodes each. I think it was 13, might have been 10. Regardless, they had a lot more time to examine, you know, those issues than uh, Ragnarok's likely to have. But still, Fred, great, great pickup. So, yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, I like that. All right. Uh, anything else about Fred's feedback? No, I think that's, that's okay. about it. All right, well, let's talk grade. You want to go first? 
Yeah, well, I, I mean, I, I can, sure. Um, I, I was kind of thinking B plus is what I was kind of thinking yep, on this one. Me as well. I mean, great episode. Nice. I mean, B B plus is a great grade everywhere except River Hill, and right, <laughs> you know, so. Uh, yeah, really solid episode, really solid premiere. There's, yeah, but just not quite an A. So yeah, we'll leave it at that. Yeah, and, and, and I I can't really necessarily put my finger on it, but you know, just, that's just uh, in my my completely unscientific and subjective grading system. That's what I came up with. Yeah, cool. All right. Uh, any final thoughts, or are you ready to sign off? I think I'm ready to sign off here. Okay. All right. Well, we want to thank you guys for joining us. That will do it for this episode of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. Love to hear what you think about Ragnarok. If you have any final thoughts about the Nevers, uh, join the Facebook group if you haven't already. Emails go to sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com. We will be back next time to discuss Season 2, Episode 2 of Ragnarok. But until then... You know, it's you know now it's summer vacation. You know, stay up a little bit longer and everything gets a little bit crazier around here. And you know, just like the, the other day, I said to my wife in the morning, I'm like, listen, you know, it's I'm I'm tired and listen, can I sleep it off before I commit to killing giants?